1: Welcome to Chewing the Fat. How in the world are you? You look great today. This is a, uh, you know, quasi-American dream story of which uh, my man is living his own American dream. And, you know, I just wanted to talk to an author, Billy Hollowell, a friend of mine, his latest book, Playing With Fire. And I wanted to, you know, I took some time. I sat down with Billy and a fascinating book, Playing With Fire. And I wanted to talk to him about that. So I appreciate you listening to Chewing the Fat, Saturday edition But remember that if you're listening to this and you're not a subscriber to Chewing the Fat, you could do better in life. And to do better in life, that means you need to be a subscriber to Chewing the Fat. So it's available on a plethora of platforms. And just choose one. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and then subscribe to the podcast. It's just that simple. And as long as you're busy in the subscribing mood you might as well subscribe to the youtube channel as well that is the same name as this show chewing the fat with jeff fisher so you kill two birds with one stone oh i mean wound you don't want to kill anything wound two birds with one stone and your life will be that much better with that let's have at it Billy Hollowell, the man, the myth, the legend, joining me on Chewing the Fat today, Mr. Hollowell. How in the world are you? I'm well. I'm well, and I, I miss
0: seeing your face. I miss seeing everybody's <laughs> face on the at the blaze, But no, I'm doing I'm doing well. Life I, is is different, but it's good.
1: I, I, I miss you too, and I must say that I do think about uh, mornings uh, alone in Manhattan with just you and me drinking <laughs> coffee.
0: We were, we were the first ones on, in that
1: office. Oh, every anyways. morning, up on the every what, 40th morning. floor or whatever it was there. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. 7.45 in the morning, hanging out, just me and you,
0: because everyone else is being lazy and coming <laughs> in at a, at a normal time at 9. Uh,
1: so, Mr. Hollywood, I know you have the new book, Playing with Fire, and we'll get into that. But what are you doing now? I mean, I see your face, uh, your mug everywhere. But what specifically are you doing? I mean, other than just writing a couple of books here and there, what are you doing with your life?
0: Well, I've been trying to keep busy. So I'm, I'm full time with PureFlix. I'm the director of communications and content over at PureFlix. So that has kind of been everything from working on internal marketing to producing a couple TV series that we did. Um, one in fact was with Missy Robertson, who is the wife of obviously. Right. Jace, who's over at the Blaze with his dad, um, and so that was a great series. We did sort of the series on these women she's helping. Yeah, uh, yeah. we did it. Yeah, yeah I talked yeah, to
1: we, her about that, in fact. Oh yeah, she's yeah, great. Yeah, we talked to her a, a year or so ago about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, she's phenomenal. And then so a couple a couple series we did one with Abby Johnson about abortion that was really interesting. She is a powerful uh,
1: story. That's... Isn't her story crazy? Yes, it is. It's yes, crazy. it is. It's crazy. When she so, spoke, and speaking of her, just as a side note, when she spoke at the convention, uh, and I, we've interviewed her, and I've talked to her, and I've met her, but I had never thought about uh, the smell of an abortion. Oh, right? When she oh. mentioned that at the convention, I thought, holy cow, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah that burning flesh smell, that that's what came to mind. I don't mean to be grabbing like, and it just made me sick to my stomach, because I had never thought of that.
1: Either. I know I had other. We've I've talked to her a bunch of times and I just don't remember any of that. It was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's
0: crazy. So I'm actually working with her, and I'm work, So I'm working with the Christian Post. They have this um, app called the Edify app. And it's a Christian podcasting platform, and Abby has a show. So I produce her show. Okay. Um, I'm producing a show with Charlotte Pence Bond, uh, Mike Pence's daughter, about doubt, which is really interesting. So I've been doing that, like working in the podcasting world, hosting a couple podcasts. I host the Pureflix podcast for Pureflix, and then, um, you know, book writing. And then also, the, there's a lot of random things going on. This This weekly TV hit that I'm doing for the first, which has been interesting, too. So, yeah, it's been busy. It's been a weird, busy season.
1: And you, uh, you know, I mean, you are living the American dream, right? I mean, you, uh, you're living, uh, you're living in uh, New York. I don't know. Are you still living in the city or are you outside of the city now? I'm outside of the city, we Where have a townhouse you?
0: because I'm lazy
1: and I don't like to do the lawn.
0: So like the nice thing is I don't have to mow the lawn or pay and really don't really have to pay anybody to do it. I guess the homeowners association, they do it, but, um, but yeah, so we, we got a nice little townhouse here and then we just got a place with family. In Pennsylvania because New York is crazy. It's just crazy. I can't I just I actually after this whole COVID thing, I was like, I do not want to be trapped in this townhouse again for Yeah, I can't do it. So um so yeah, we're getting used to the Poconos, which I know you have some family
1: I do. My wife is a huge fan of the Poconos. In fact, she's there now as we speak trying to move I'm, you back there i'm sure I as we I mean, be neighbors it's, it's, when are we gonna go back to pennsylvania I mean, that's <laughs> all i'm gonna hear in, in the next few days so really looking forward to that <laughs> tell her hi for me i love your wife she's phenomenal she's yeah great. she's <laughs> all right she's she's right. great <laughs> so how many books have you written now you've got the new book playing with fire which is what i wanted to talk to you about but i mean you're working on uh, a good half dozen now right i mean you're picking up yeah, you're close to a I'm, baker's dozen
0: I've done 4 of them.
1: Yeah, I've written oh, okay. 4 of them. And close you know what's
0: Well, I mean, I feel it feels like only you know it's, 4. I don't I have to tell you this, like I am not somebody. I'm actually annoyed by people who write books just to write them. I find it annoying because I feel like it's to me, if I'm going to write something it's because I really like it and that might not be something that translates always into something that's going to be a huge hit or or it's something that I feel like I'm supposed to do. Like I've prayed about. It. I'm like, you know what? I like this book, The Playing with Fire one. I didn't want to write this book. Like who, who wants to be like the weird demon book person, right? Um, but I have to tell you after I wrote it, I was like, this was, it was so interesting to learn about, and we could talk about it, but the subject matter. So I just like to write books that are, I hope will help people in some way that, and that's honestly the truth. I mean, So so yeah.
1: Yeah, let's talk about playing with fire a little bit then. Uh, the uh, modern investigation into demons, exorcisms, and ghosts. What was the, uh, what was the number one thing that surprised you? Uh, and we'll, we'll dig into it and I have a, you know, I have a few other questions, but the number one thing that really surprised you with it.
0: Yeah, the thing that really surprised me is that there are, cases and things that... Well, first of all, people are afraid to talk about things they've dealt with or experienced, right? And, and we see this in a lot of different issues, but people don't want to be called crazy. And so, I guess it didn't... It surprised me in the end because there were people who had compelling stories and evidence of their story, and I couldn't get them to share it because they really oh. were so bogged down with feeling like, you know what, I just don't feel right about this, or I'm going to be looked at as weird. Um, and so, on the other side of it, the people who did share... I was surprised by how lucid and normal and how some of these people actually were validating one another's stories and had evidence of what they were talking about or at least presumably had evidence that that led me to believe. And I'm a Christian, so I'm not closed. I believe in these things, but I'm also skeptical of anybody can say anything. Right? I could tell you something happened to me and I could be making it up because I want to write a book about it or make money right. off of it. Right. So yeah, I was I was surprised by the level to which people who did share uh, were believable.
1: That uh, that kind of surprised me because you went into it thinking that it wasn't real, or you were questioning the real validity of all of it.
0: So I went into it knowing that I believe it's real, right? I, and I go into, in the book, I talk about what the Bible says about it. Like, okay, let's talk faith-wise. What are we dealing with? So I believe it's real, but individual stories, I'm always skeptical of. So it's, it's this weird thing. I know it's true. I know it ha, it can happen. But when somebody tells me, okay, this happened to me, I want, I want facts. I want to know, how can you prove to me that you had something happen that is unexplainable, right? That you can't explain right. this by natural means. And, when people are reluctant to talk about something, it actually makes me more comfortable because I'm like, okay, you're reluctant to talk about it because <laughs> you know, you and and when I can actually find numerous people who will tell me the same story, like, no, I was there and I saw this. That's compelling. So I went into it skeptical of individual stories and I wanted to be convinced, but but believing the issue itself.
1: Does that if that right. makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talk a lot about um uh darkness. And, I mean, we are living in times that seem to think that the lights are dimming, uh, yeah. maybe not uh, full darkness, but uh, the lights are definitely dimming. Um, how do we get out of that? How do we turn the lights back on?
0: Yeah, so this this is what is so interesting to me because, and I think for anybody who's a Christian and they follow sort of the end times theology, and I know this is stuff that Glenn and others have talked a lot yeah. about, right? You talk about what the Bible says about this stuff, and it's really fascinating. And that was the first book I wrote was about the end times, and so connecting the dots on all of these things is is intriguing because it may be that we don't get out of it, and I know that that sounds like a hopeless thing, and and I. What I mean is that well, if what you we believe,
1: have- it's not a horrible thing, right? Right. I mean, it, it's not thing. Well, horrible.
0: it is horrible because it's like, well, it's not. Now, I think individuals can get better and be healed and be connected to God and change. I mean, go on Twitter. You look at the crap that's on Twitter. It is awful. The way that people interact and talk to each other. The way oh, that it's it's insane. Oh, and it's God. it's. Evil. And, and in
1: particular <laughs> today, right? I oh, mean, yeah. as, as we speak, uh, for those of you that uh, you know are listening live to this recording on the 2nd uh, of 2nd uh, of uh, October 2020. I mean, we just got news that uh, you know President Trump and his wife and Hope Hicks and uh Senator Mike Lee all tested positive for coronavirus or COVID-19 and the hate. Oh yeah. I mean, there's plenty of love. I will say that. I did see and maybe that's just cuz of the people that you know I uh, that I follow. Even
0: some on the left, right? There was even a few people on the left surprised me this morning. Fox had a write-up about some of those wishing prayers. I'm like, oh, wow, Alyssa Milano. and
1: You know, know, if you believe it, (laughs) but, you know, you take them at their word. I know that. You take them at their (laughs) word. I got it. But you know just the some of the 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 hate and the vitriol for for the president and you know it's about time and it's good. the same people who cry that uh we won't uh condemn racism, but we want this guy to die oh right. okay right all right
0: it's it's crazy and and so when you look at it's funny like I was just looking at Matthew 24 in the Bible when the the disciples go to Jesus and they ask him what are the signs of the end times and he kind of goes through and some of them are vague and you're trying to understand we're trying to look back and understand it but one of them is that you know people's love will grow cold that people will become very cold and I think we're am I saying we're at the end of days no but but People are cold, and it's getting worse, and I think we're going to see it get worse. But at the same time, the hope is that if we can reach individual people and try to get them to see that this is not the way to be, and from my perspective, turn them towards God, then that's how you start having a solution within the chaos. And so when you look at evil, though, and I think that's how we sort of got on this train, one of the things with writing Playing With Fire that struck me – You know, I never looked at the Bible as a book where I was going to go in and pull out all the bits about evil, right? I just never did that. I would read it through, and I, okay. But when you look, okay, who is Satan? What is, who is Satan? He is a deceiver. He is a manipulator. He, you know, the the Bible describes him in this way that actually is completely reflective of everything that culture and society are becoming. And that was crazy to me to just see that, like, oh, my gosh, wow, this is... People are being influenced by media and Hollywood and all of these different um, arenas. And so – and then on top of that to then look at, okay, well, what does it look like? Let's say – and there are skeptics. And listen, the atheists have bought this book because they're curious. They want to know. But going through all the times that Jesus healed people of possession, what does that look like? And that was really eye-opening too to look at that because I never had.
1: So when we go through – start looking through the uh, chapters or the different parts of the book, uh, the one is opening the door. And uh pathways to the spiritual quicksand. Ooh, what are those pathways, Billy? Uh, pathway
0: to- so <laughs> Are you worried you've taken one of them? Oh, I um, most no.
1: definitely have. There's no question about that, my friend.
0: <laughs> oh, so, you know, I, one of the things was to go, I wanted to go to mental health professionals, but also pastors. And I talked to, uh, you know, at least one priest in the book, people who deal with this on the day to day, because this is a strange topic. It's not something we often think about. Um, even a lot of churches aren't talking about this, which is no, really they interesting. Don't. No, they don't they talk don't. about it. This, I mean. Oh, no, they don't. I, let me say this. There is not an issue, and I could be wrong. I want, nobody's checked me on this yet, but I want someone to. There's not an issue described in the Bible more frequently, especially the New Testament, that is talked about less in churches than this. And it's because there's a lot of reasons, but it's a weird topic, right? But I wanted to go and talk to these people and find out what are you seeing in the day-to-day. These are people who are normal faith leaders who are called upon to help deal with these issues when people believe they're happening.
1: Right. I and mean, we, so, we hear the word evil quite a lot. But is there real evil? Right. Is there real evil? And, and how does it manifest itself? Is it just in the culture like
0: we're talking about? Are people being deceived? Is it, um, or is it an, at an individual level? Can somebody be afflicted by evil? And so, What was fascinating was people talking about these faith leaders that there are ways that you can open doorways. That possession is a really rare thing. It doesn't happen all the time. Um, so a lot of people, they think, Oh, I'm dealing with a demon. It's like, no, you're probably not. Um, although these, you're on the road. You're on the road. You could be on
1: the road because you've opened the door, right? You've, you've opened the door and that's where, you know, you're leading down the road of darkness, right?
0: Right. Well, and so what opens the door? And this is something that people will challenge me on, and they'll say that I'm I'm just relaying what I found in this investigation. When you go into the Bible, you go to the Old Testament. It very clearly, repeatedly says, "Do not go to psychics. Do not go to mediums." I again, something I kind of was taught, but I never read. Do not try to consult the dead. Do not try to make these connections because these are not things that you're supposed to be messing with. And right. So you have these stories of people and you and I've encountered so many of people who had gone through this who had played with Ouija boards and they and they were doing it for fun or they yeah. had and they started experiencing things in their life after. Now, listen, the majority of people who have touched Ouija boards have had no problem with them, and I understand that. But These are pathways that these faith leaders would tell you are consistently brought up by people who are seeking help. That they were trying to communicate with the dead, and maybe it was well intentioned. You lost a loved one; you're trying to communicate with them. Um, They were they were using Ouija boards, and I know of people who actually obsessively have used Ouija boards hours a day trying to communicate. With the other side, right? Um, and so there's lots of different ways you can open a door, but but those are some of the ones that that came up in interviews.
1: And you make yourself, uh, I, I and I, I think I remember reading, and maybe it was uh, another book and not yours, but I do remember that uh, you know people when you talk about the people who were addicted to whatever, but mostly drugs, that that's definitely a doorway that gets opened. Then, right? You you've now yes. opened the door to. Well, I just you know I just want the drugs, and if that's what it takes for me to get the drugs, then that's what it takes for me to get the drugs.
0: And that's a great point. So one of the guys who I was talking with in the book, um, who's who deals with deliverance, he said that usually that most of the people he works with in this field will tell you that they spend most of their time dealing with locations and not people. So they're not dealing as much with possession as they are, and not everybody believes this now. Some, I think this would be referred to as haunting. People believe that dead people are haunting, but he they would say, well, no, it's actually demons, it's evil spirits, and they haunt a place where drug deals have gone down, maybe, where a lot of bad things have happened. And that was an interesting concept. Again, not everybody will believe it, but when it comes to addiction, even in talking with the mental health professionals, they would often say that they would find that there would be a spiritual component to that addiction, that using drugs obsessively opens you up to that and that evil is attracted to that sort of thing because it's what destroys people's lives right? right and when we we go back to that definition of satan destroying deceiving all of these things now this sounds crazy to people they're like well what do you mean but i will tell you there are psychologists and psychiatrists and working at mainstream places, teaching at Columbia University, who will tell you that that they are actually opening themselves up to believe that there is this spiritual side because they can't explain some of the things they're
1: encountering. Well, I mean that. Look, you can use this line. I noticed you didn't use my line in your book, Billy, but I'm going to give you a quote from <laughs> Jeff Fisher that you can use in the future. Uh, live in the dark long enough, and it becomes your light.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and that Ooh,
1: I like that. Uh, thank you. I know it's all You're right. You're very no, smart.
0: See, I should have called you. No, no, before. no.
1: No, 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 I don't. I don't want your pity now. Don't do it. But the uh, uh, and that's what that's what happens, right? I mean, we're the door is open, and so like you say, uh, areas rather than particular people, because that those areas have been opened by multiple people with weaknesses and desires that are able to get preyed upon, right? So you're playing with f- oh
0: my gosh. Look at that! You brought it full. Circle. And there was a, and actually, I have to blame The Blaze for this book because when I was at The Blaze as the faith editor, these stories would come through. And there are a few stories that are actually retold in the book from my time working at The Blaze that were really compelling. Do you remember the one? And you may not remember this, but I think I remember Glenn talking about it too. The kid who walked up the wall, that whole story in, um, Indiana, in Gary, oh, yeah. Indiana. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that actually, and I cover that story in depth in the book because it is the most documented. It sounds insane. Okay. That, that a nurse and a CPS worker saw a kid walk up the wall, but it <laughs> is, it, I, I know I laugh too. Um, <laughs> listen, I wish I was That's nimble not, enough to walk up a wall. No, um, but,
1: barely walked through the kitchen. <laughs>
0: so, uh, well, it depends on my motivation for what gets me in the kitchen. If there's a cake on the table, I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll get there quick. But, you know, so, so this case was the mother, the grandmother, and the three kids, and they were in this house, and you remember, they were claiming that all sorts of crazy things were happening, right. that the mother was feeling as though she was possessed, it was jumping to the children, and it became a case where the government, the local officials were like, okay, this mother's abusing her kids, and they removed right. the kids from the home. But before that happens, they're at a doctor's office, and the doctor was so terrified by the behavior of the kids that they called 911. And so 911 comes, they take the kids away, they get to the hospital, and this is where this event allegedly happened. Now, according to the CPS worker, this kid walked up the wall, did like a little flip, and landed on his feet and there was a nurse in the room who also saw this. They run out. They get a doctor. The doctor comes in. He says, you're crazy. This didn't happen, and he tells the kid, do it again. The kid's like, I can't walk up the wall. What are you talking about? So they file a CPS report with this – so an official government report that actually describes this, and I have it in the book, and it's very eerie reading it because you're watching somebody who's had a long career as a respected CPS worker Right. That she saw somebody walk up a wall. And that's just the beginning of it. So as of course, I'm skeptical as I'm investigating this and going back to it. So I call the sheriff who is involved. He's since retired. He's he's reluctant to talk, but he talks about his experience. I call the priest. He communicates with me about his experience. And you end up in, in playing with fire with this really interesting perspective on this case in which not one person says that they thought there was a
1: natural explanation to what went on. So, you know, I guess you have to believe it then. Right?
0: I, I mean, in that case, here's what I'll say. They could all be lying, but they have no reason to be. These are not people who are out there trying to make money. And as far as I understand it, the CPS worker who saw this left her job, left the state, and has not been speaking about this publicly, that it had a profound impact over her. And that, to me, listen, I believe that anybody could lie. So if I found out tomorrow it was a lie, I'd be like, that was an elaborately beautiful lie. I think it would be very hard to make these things up when everybody is experiencing them.
1: Right. So this may be your next book, but do we know what happened to the kid and the mom and...
0: So I chose to leave them alone. And, and I know some people are like, why didn't you? Because they had spoken oh, out. Really, really. I know,
1: I know. I chose to leave Hello. them alone. For-
0: they apparently were healed and everything was fine. They moved away from that house, and that house has since been torn Which, down.
1: Okay, so that gives you right. That's the that was the the pathway, right? That takes you back to the area, not just the people.
0: Right. And and here's the thing. Now, there, these Christian leaders would say, "Well, listen, the people would be okay if they were connected to Jesus. If they were, they'd be okay. But if somebody is not, and you're in a place like that." you could easily be preyed upon because it's already there, right? And you are opening yourself up to it. Now, I there's a lot of debate about, around all of these things. And the craziest thing is when you go to the Bible and you look, because, again, I'm a Christian. I want to understand through a Christian lens what evil is. Every single case where Jesus expels a demon and heals somebody – We have no concept or clue. It's not written how that person was possessed, and I never noticed that. You're only meeting people where they are. They're already ill when you meet them, and he's encountering them in that state. And that, to me, is incredible because we can't really know. We know what we're supposed to avoid. We know what we're told to avoid, but we have no idea. And by the way, two children are possessed in the Bible. I never noticed that either. Two children. How does a child become possessed?
1: Well, and then we you get back to the story, right? They were in uh, they were somehow open to it, and they were in an area that was a possessed area
0: and, or their so, parents put them in a position of you know of some sort of danger by dabbling in these things. And I actually had ta- what's so interesting, I've talked to people who have had parents who have put them in those positions as children. And had actually had these things happen to them, right? And so you see these parallels of wow, you know, you had no control as a kid. Your parents are bringing you to this place. They're, bringing, right. I mean, people practice witchcraft. I mean, there's crazy things in this world that go on that seem bizarre, but they're happening.
1: Sure, every day. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm I, I'm friends with a good witch, and she would have nothing to do with any of the the evil practices. Uh, she doesn't want to open any of those doors. She's well aware of. Uh, opening, you know, opening the doors into darkness and wants nothing to do with it. But she's still practicing, some would say, what she's not supposed to be, right?
0: Right. And that's and so here's the question that you have to have in these cases. And this is where it gets uncomfortable, right? If if you're being told, if you believe the Bible and you're being told in Scripture, avoid all of these things and somebody has the ability to do those things, where is that coming from? And I Right. I can't answer it outside of saying, I don't believe it's coming from God. If he's telling us to avoid doing it, I can't assume he's giving the ability to perform those sorts of things. And that is the yeah. that's the challenge on this. And I will tell you, I have seen things personally that I cannot explain, right? But so he did, I,
1: but, but God has given us the you know, the the choice, right? We're able to make the choice and make the decisions and have our own personal responsibility, right? Right. So, so
0: that is true. I mean, well, and here's, and here's the thing. Some of the people, there's a guy I interviewed in the book and it was really interesting. He, he was a Dungeons and Dragons player and he was obsessed with the game. And for him, and I know a lot of people get really worked up about Harry Potter and all these other things, but in his case, what was interesting, he had a troubled upbringing. He was abused. He was looking for power. So it didn't matter what it was. It just so happened that this benign game became an obsession for him. He's like, I want that power. And as he grew up, he actually started to seek that power out in real time, In in real life. And so he ended up Essentially going, meeting this guy who was already channeling. They were calling them spirit channelers. I forget what they were calling them. And so he starts doing it too. And literally they're dealing with the demonic. They're inviting it in. Yeah. And at first he loved it because it was giving him these extra abilities that he didn't have before. He knew things. He could feel things in different ways. Uh, but this culminated in this guy. His name's Rob and I talk about him in the book. He he would wake up. He'd go to bed. He'd be like, "I'm going to bed because I got to get up for work tomorrow." And he would wake up suddenly in a bar, fully clothed, smoking a cigar and drinking, without any recollection
1: of how he got there. Who among us, Billy? Who among us hasn't <laughs> had that happen? I mean,
0: Jeffy, that's like a regular Saturday
1: for you. Stop. I understand. What, what kind of story is that?
0: I mean, it's so <laughs> you were so terrible. That is, I mean, it sounds like a college story, right? Yeah. It does. Um, But, but I mean, he, so he ends up going through this whole thing and he becomes a Christian and he sort of renounces it. And those things went away. Those abilities that he had went away for him. And, you know, people, again, they're so hesitant to share these things because they don't want to be the crazy people in the room. And so my challenge to people is pick up the book and read it. You don't have to agree or believe it. I'm not, I don't tell people what to think in the book. That's not my job to do, but, but I will tell you there are some really compelling cases. And I think since the beginning of time, I don't think this, I know it. The human experience is people talking about these things. People sure. have had these experiences forever, and they're not all mental illness. They don't and appear. Most,
1: right. And most uh Christian entities, churches, um, you know, the foundations of that, most of them have, even if they don't address it, like you say, they don't talk about it much, have their own system of yes. exercising those demons.
0: Yes. Well, what's interesting is that the Catholic Church has like a very specific, here's what we do, right? We, we've got the Latin rite, which they have in English now. We've got holy water. They have, they have tools. But then you talk to these evangelical pastors and others who they're like, we walked in the room. We were like, you don't belong here. Get out. And it was done. And it's fascinating to me that you have that dynamic. And then you have people in the middle who are like, well, I'm a Protestant but sometimes I've seen the crucifix work or sometimes I've seen the water work and and you have to remember too that people are affected at all different levels there are there's a woman actually and there's a guy Richard Gallagher who's a psychiatrist well respected here in New York um I didn't interview him for the book but I talked to him um I I actually met up with him and I was picking his brain and I I pulled from the things he said publicly but he is he's been working with the Catholic Church for years he was called okay. in on a case In the 1980s, the satanic priestess, a woman who was worshiping Satan, but who wanted to be free from it, so she lived in both worlds. And he couldn't help her because she wasn't willing to stop doing what she was doing. Uh, But she wanted to be free of it, and so he—How
1: could she want to be free of it if she's not going to let it go? It doesn't. Well, it seemed to have
0: control over. It seemed to have control over her, and that part of her knew this is not good. I need to get rid of it. And so he described,
1: I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off again, but that actually leads back into the possibility of some sort of mental illness, right? It does now. So
0: this is why he was brought in, right? So he, this this, uh, psychiatrist, he goes in and he's like, listen, I think this is not true. He grew up Catholic, but I think there's a scientific explanation for all of this. And so he's investigating this. And as he's investigating it, he's realizing, oh, my goodness, there's something else going on here. He's on a phone call. And he's described this in in the Washington Post and CNN. He's written about this. He's on a phone call with the priest dealing with the case. So you've got the priest. You've got him and they the this woman is 2000 miles away so she's not on this phone call and in the middle of this conversation both he and the priest claimed that this voice was heard over the phone threatening them telling them to leave her alone the, and and hurling expletives at them and so he he's like listen i'm a rational person but i have no explanation for how this happened right um and so he he became such a believer in this, that he is now working, not only teaching here at secular colleges, but working with the Catholic Church on cases. And he will tell you the majority of cases are not are not, possession. not
1: cases, right. right. And it's interesting. Uh, so, I mean, if he's walking into all of them with the look of, mm, you're not real, then the ones that are real are really going to stick out, right? I mean, it's...
0: <laughs> well, I mean... And then there's a, another quick story. Is M. Scott Peck, who was, um, who was an atheist, essentially, and he's now gone. He died a few years back. Um, he was a psychiatrist as well. He, he assisted on two exorcisms, and, um, and I talk about his story in the book. And actually became a believer as a result of these two ex, of these two exorcisms. One was successful, one was not. And the woman ended up dying, you know, later on. And his last book was about seeing evil. I forget the title of it, but it was about confronting evil. And he talked about these exorcisms and he was very well respected. Um, and so you, you have people who are willing to talk about it. And I will tell you also that there are exorcists who will tell you, listen, I get a phone call once a year from, you know, a mental institution, and they'll tell me, we need this to be quiet, but we need your help. We've got a case that we cannot deal with.
1: We need you to come in and help us. Right. Um, because nobody wants to mess with evil. No. With real evil. You don't nobody want to play with to. fire. No, you, you do not. You do fire. not want to <laughs> play with fire. But you do want to read Playing With Fire. <laughs> yes. Where can I, if I if I wanted to read Playing With Fire, how would someone go about, you know, actually owning a copy? Oh, so, yeah.
0: so there isn't, there is a website playingwithfirebook.com and then it's Amazon. Walmart actually just like, you know, spoiler alert, Walmart has it a few dollars cheaper than everyone else right now. So I would, I would tell people nice. to go to
1: Walmart. Yeah. Like nice $3 list. cheaper. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There you go. does it cut you out of any extra money, Bill? <laughs> I don't know. Right.
0: I will, t- I swear, I tell you, I don't, I honestly, do not write books for money, and I told Michael, our friend Michael Pelka. Oh, I, I can
1: understand me. that you don't write books for money. How's the new house in the mountains? Oh well. Um, oh well, yes. well. I went oh, half my. and half
0: on that because I'm a bargain <laughs> guy, right? I had to like split it, you know. I had to split it. You know, Pennsylvania is dirt cheap,
1: right? Yeah. Are you working with my wife now? Is that what you're doing? You're working with my wife?
0: <laughs> I, I don't even you know got, why you got to move to, to. Pennsylvania. You're you're I mean, your wife is correct.
1: to you anymore? <laughs> Playing with darkness. The uh, and I love the uh, a modern investigation into demons exorcisms and ghosts I love that Billy uh, great I love you thank you so much thank you oh, thank you time. For- yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you finally giving a little bit of your expensive allotted time to me
0: thank you well I feel like we should make this a regular thing jeffy which
1: probably is terrifying to you but I would be open to it I oh I, no, I no 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 I want I, to get out of the darkness. I, I, I want to get out of the come darkness. Come
0: to Pennsylvania. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, Bill. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. <laughs>